Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Highway to Hail, a podcast brought to you by the Michigan Daily and the Michigan Daily Sports Section. I'm your host, Paul Nasser. With the Michigan football team kicking off its season against Colorado State this Saturday, the football beat joins the pod to discuss the upcoming season. Enjoy. So we got the football beat here on the pod today. We got Josh, Nick, Jared, and Spencer. And let's start off with a little icebreaker. Um, college football is returning, or it actually has returned, but it's returning to Ann Arbor this Saturday. So stadiums will be packed out the country. If you can morph from a human being into a stadium, uh, what stadium would you morph yourself into where you're going to be that stadium internally, eternally until it's demolished or destroyed? So what, what stadium are you going to be and why? Uh, Nick, let's start with you. Oh, I came out of left field. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, I'm going to go with, okay, can I choose a stadium that's like no longer the way it was? As long I, as it's still standing, because you cannot morph into a deceased stadium. It's against the law. I'm going, I'm going with the Astros ballpark, but only when they had the pole in center field on that hill. Uh-huh. Because it was just a menace to everyone uh, out there. Yeah, I do remember that. You would be that'd be part of you because remember you are the stadium. So, and I could help them cheat. Yeah, definitely. I, I like that. Tropicana. No, not Tropicana. That's um, Minute Maid Park. I think that's the name. Yeah, Minute Maid Park. All right, Josh. How about you? Yeah, no, I was not expecting that question. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna go with. Uh, let's go to. Syracuse, New York, and let's be the Carrier Dome because you know what? I'm if this is what I'm going to be the rest of my life, I'm going to want versatility. Nice. I get football, I get a little basketball, you know, maybe we get a little soccer, maybe even some hockey if we get creative. So I, you know, I'm not going to be bored as the Carrier Dome. So mm-hmm. can't get rid of me. That's exciting. Um, I do think they're like re they're like revamping the stadium. So when you morph in, you might get like chopped up, but you're not going to die. It's just going to hurt a lot. But it's going to make you a better man. All right, Jared, how about you? Well, I was thinking in the vein of college football stadiums. So my mm-hmm. first thought was the swamp. I feel like the vibes in the swamp are immaculate. So, so I'll nice. be the swamp. Very cool. Very cool. Spencer, I see myself on your screen. What, what about you? Oh, God. Um, this one's easy. Uh, I can't tell you the name of this stadium. <laughs> Well, that's helpful. <laughs> but the place where the Buccaneers play, because they got that little pirate ship yard. <laughs> yeah. It's like free entertainment for the Raymond, rest of Raymond James Stadium. Yeah, Raymond James. Raymond James. Very cool. Very cool. I think I, I'm going – I was back and forth with this a lot. I'm going to go um, college football. I'm going to go the Sun Bowl because I could just, like, sit in the sun all day. Um, and I think UTEP plays there, and there's a bowl game, so – Get, but most of the time it's like empty so i'm just like chilling in the sun so it sounds like a fun life fun life to live hopefully i'll get morphed soon um but yeah uh there will be some uh some football in actual in, in the you know all right i gotta i gotta like see we got the chat going um, <laughs> the chat is live everyone please hit me up on the chat for sure for sure great to have you guys here so Michigan is hosting a football game in Ann Arbor in the big house, which nobody answered. Nobody wants to be the big house. I understand. Um, and there's going to be a lot, a lot of storylines. The big one right now is the quarterback situation. Uh, 
Jim Harbaugh selected two starters the first two weeks, um, J.J. McCarthy in week two and Cade McNamara in week one. Break break this down. How is this going to work? Is it going to work? What, what's going on? Let, let's let's fire away here. Uh, feel free to just jump in. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Well, I guess I could start. I think what I'm curious about is what happens in week three if we mm-hmm. assume that McNamara does well against Colorado State and McCarthy excels against Hawaii, which isn't hundred percent safe assumption, but it's a pretty safe assumption that they both perform very well. And if the competition has been so neck and neck and then they both play very well, are they going to have a starter week three? That's what Harbaugh initially said when he released the news on the, in the trenches podcast. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday when he was pressed on Andy Bible and Solomon saying, no one knows what the future holds. Maybe we'll keep it going. <coughs> and at some point, how long do you go with this before it's detrimental to the team? Um, so like in their ideal world, someone separates oneself from the other, but I don't really know if that's going to happen when they're playing Colorado state and Hawaii. So to me, the intrigue starts week three, unless of course, McNamara McCarthy bombs their, their, I guess, essentially it's a tryout. But I mean, let's also talk week three. It's not like that opponent is anything to prove something against either. Like UConn's not going to make or break either of these quarterbacks. And, you know, it's also already hard enough to judge them based on the opponents they're playing. I mean, sure, Colorado State and Hawaii might both be fairly below Michigan talent-wise, but Vanderbilt just hung 63 on Hawaii in Hawaii. And now they're going to travel out to Ann Arbor I guess that's why Harbaugh said both quarterbacks might play both games, but I really just don't see how they're going to walk out of these two games with a starter. It seems unlikely to me. Yeah. Um, no, I know Harbaugh, like Jared mentioned, said his approach is more of a biblical approach, but I actually think it is more of like an NFL preseason type approach where like we've definitely seen – on many occasions like an nfl team will have a couple guys they think could be the starter and then they just kind of let it play out in preseason and they're trying to pick their starting quarterback for the regular season and they're playing in those preseason games those guys are not you know the most talented groups but it still is like actual game reps for the coaching staff to judge the players on and i do think like if it's really neck and neck then and they can't figure it out uh, through practice, like letting it play out on the field isn't the worst decision because these first few games are pretty inconsequential. But the real question is what happens week five? Uh, I know we'll get to the schedule a little later, but when they go at Iowa, this team is going to need to know like who their starting quarterback is and who is going to lead them like into a tough road environment. So mm-hmm. I think for now, I think it makes sense, but at some point they're going to need some more clarity. Seems like that's what Jim uh, was thinking. Yeah, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I just thought I'd interject here. Please. Uh, what I find most interesting about this, this quarterback battle is um, if there is a clear winner and a loser, what does the loser do? Like, I can't imagine Cade McNamara losing the starting job and being a backup after 
winning a Big Ten title, beating Ohio State last season, mm-hmm. and him just sitting place with JJ having at least one more year um, with the program. Does he transfer? Does he try and leave somehow? Or if the other way, what does JJ do? I mean, Cade has two more years of eligibility after this, a redshirt year and a COVID year. Does JJ transfer? I feel like as long as there is one clear winner, there's absolutely no way Michigan can keep both of these guys. Um, And I think that's part of what Harbaugh is doing with prolonging this competition process, but I just don't see how this does anything but delay that decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if there is a clear winner, though, like at least for the duration of the season, their job isn't safe. You know, say there's a clear winner, they lose at Iowa, it's it's over, at least until the next person loses, mm-hmm. uh, assumingly, unless somehow Iowa puts up a miraculous amount of points on the defense, which is not really Iowa football. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? And and you mentioned, you know, and it's been brought up fears about one of the, the loser transferring or whatnot. Could this be possibly Jim Harbaugh laying the groundwork for a true two quarterback system? We're both are, are splitting time within games. Could you guys see that? Um, could that be something that could be successful? What are you guys seeing as, you know, possible options for both JJ and Cade on the field throughout the season? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think like, I don't know if there's ever been a true, like two starter throughout a whole season approach that works. I think what's more telling is that like, um, you know, given what Cade accomplished last year, like JJ played last year in spot moments and like, and Cade was the main starter and you saw how much success that got them. So like, if they truly thought like Cade was like clearly their best starting quarterback option, then like this whole thing probably wouldn't have happened. And like, that tells me that JJ is like, like has legitimate starter potential this year. And that for Cade should be kind of concerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the other thing that makes this competition really interesting is if everything that is being said is to be believed, and you can't really believe everything, you have to take it with a, with a bit of salt because we can't watch practice, obviously. But from, from everything they're saying, Kate has gotten much better, and JJ has gotten significantly better. Mm-hmm. So it's a quarterback competition where, again, if – Harbaugh and the assistant coaches and all the players are to be believed both quarterbacks are playing the best football they've ever played um so you have two guys playing at a really high level who almost certainly in their mind think they should be starters um it's a good problem to have for now but you're really threading a thin line here as this season goes on because every move is going to be scrutinized for whoever's playing mm-hmm. and the backup is going to be itching to get in. And how often do you flip-flop them? How quick is the plug? Um, it's, it's really a tight, a fine line for them to walk as the season starts. And then as it progresses. Definitely Spencer, I saw you, you had your hand up. Yeah. One last thing on the quarterback thing. Uh-huh. Um, I think, um, it's important to note that Cade was just named a team captain, one of the five team captains, uh, just last week. Um, I don't, I don't have 
any, I have a ton of knowledge of college football history, um, but I cannot remember a backup quarterback being a team captain while there is a, a younger uh, guy starting at his place. I think that'd be a really interesting dynamic if that were to happen. Um, and it would be really, well, quite honestly, um, exciting to see play out. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very interesting dynamic to, to see play out on the field. And and the big thing is that, you know, we got this quarterback battle, but it's going to come down to, you know, how the how is the line going to play, how are the receivers going to play. <clears throat> That's going to uh, – that might help decide who who wins the quarterback battle, how do they play those two weeks. So can we talk a little bit about maybe some of the strengths and weaknesses of the rest of the field, the non-quarterbacks on the team who, who make up a majority of the roster, um, starting with maybe the, the wide receiver core, the O-line, um, They've been labeled by you guys. Uh, you know, I pulled I pulled this group for the readers at home, pulled them earlier, had them list some strengths and weaknesses because I'm very good at my job as a podcast host. And uh, strengths, you guys saying wide receiver, O-line, running backs, um, and Jake Moody's mustache. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, anyways, can we can you walk us through that a little bit? Who who are the, the people who would help make Michigan's off- offense successful regardless of the starting quarterback? Um, I think it starts um, with the offensive line. I mean, last year, voted the nation's top offensive line. Lost a few people, but, I mean, for example, replacing their uh, center position with um, a Remington Award finalist, Olu Shegun Oluwatimi. Um, by all accounts, absolute beast, they've said in practice. Um, obviously, you got to separate preseason talk from on the results, but this is like a proven starter who has been in co- around college football for over four years. Um, so if the offensive line can pick up where it left off, I Michigan has a very solid, at least floor for success. Could you see um, the O-line reacting differently? Kate, Kate and JJ are, are two. Now I'm talking about quarterbacks again. I said, we're moving on from this. They're, they have different styles of play. Can you see the O-line maybe um, performing better for one versus the other? Just not based on who they like more, based on the actual their skill sets versus the, the style of play of the quarterback. Could that factor into anything? Uh, at least according to Zinter um, the other day, he said doesn't change what he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olu was talking about how you know, timing his snaps is a little different. But as far as everyone said, you know, he's like doing very well. So theoretically, he has the uh, assets to adjust. And it's not like he's used to Cade, like he was on the team last year. He's not. He's not mm-hmm. used to either quarterback. Mm-hmm. So whichever one they choose, he'll probably adjust to. But uh, at least for the O-line, it doesn't seem like much is changing. Uh, as far as the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, they throw the ball differently. There's different zip, different spin, different the way it comes out is just going to be different and uh, timing and even handoffs. They're going to have to work with it. And that's why, like Jared said earlier, it's a thin line, you know, they're towing right now, um, making a decision earlier rather than later benefits mm-hmm. more than just the quarterback. Definitely. It's a, a whole offensive unit uh, that we're, that we're going to see, see performing here. And and you guys mentioned uh, a weakness, the defensive line, the, the linebackers, obviously you know Aiden Hutchinson, um, 
Ojabo to name a couple a couple losses. How 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 do you guys see Michigan kind of compensating for that and 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 playing a you know defense that could be at on par or better than last year? Is that is that a possibility or or, or is do you think Michigan should accept that maybe the defense just won't be as good? Yeah, their big thing is that uh, it's going to be a no-star defense, um, which from the outside, if I was a player, I'd be like, well, what if I want to be a star? Like, I don't know. It seems a little demeaning, but I'm not on the team, and everyone's really bought into it, and they like that the stars the stars are gone, which is um, a lot of work to replace, but they're not viewing it through the lens of replacing. It's more so... Uh, Chris Jenkins used the word adding on and developing new talent and their opportunities and all that's true. And it all sounds pretty rosy now, uh, but Hutchinson and Ojabo could take over games like no one else can. They would swing games in Michigan's favor. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Ross had his flaws, but he was a very reliable run stopper in a linebacker corpse that is pretty thin right now. Um, and Dax Hill and Vincent Gray were, uh, and Brad Hawkins were all very reliable in the passing game. So there's a lot of holes beyond Hutchinson and Ojabo. Um, there's talent here, but the question is how quickly can that talent come together? If you look at last year, Ojabo came out of nowhere and did what he did. doesn't really happen that often. Is there going to be someone else to step up? And more importantly, I think how many people step up because Michigan needs a lot. Well, this is not a yeah. no-star podcast. This is an all-star podcast. We're just going to put that out there. Hey, go ahead, Josh. Um, yeah, you know, I'm going to reference the great movie Moneyball. And uh, one, of the things, one of the things they say when the Oakland days are trying to replace the players they can't pay for is they say, we can't, re- we can't replace them, but we can recreate them in the aggregate. And honestly, I think that's a good uh, sort of – uh narrative for michigan to follow because they're not going to have guys that are going to produce like hodginson and ojabo can but if collectively as a defense like they don't have to rely on two players to like do most of the work for them and get 25 sacks or whatever it was like they you know spencer wrote a great article about the lack of turnovers the team had last year um like no player had more than two interceptions if they can create more turnovers if they can like not be like great at any one place but be good across the board and um then i think that can help them a lot um because i do think their offense honestly regardless of quarterback probably with jj but maybe either way i do think their offense will be better than last year um our strength we didn't really touch on is the wide receivers um having ronnie bell back I mean, it's been written about a lot, but I still don't think people truly appreciate like how much he does for the team. Like he was a huge contributor as a freshman in 2018. He led the team in receiving in 2019 and 2020. He's um, a massive asset, and just having him out there uh, creates more one-on-one opportunities for other receivers. And kind of they have Andre Anthony emerge, um, like Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, like. They have some of the receivers that Sanders still, who's played receiver for three years, had to switch to cornerback because there's just not enough. There's too many mouths to feed. They also have Eric All, a tight end. They have Donovan Edwards. I think he's going to be a huge asset in the passing game. Like they have a lot of guys, and their offense is going to be really good. And the defense just kind of has to like hold on. Mm-hmm. 
Should be should be really interesting. Oh, Nick, you got something? I mean, yeah, I think um well I think so far we've been a little too nice. So I'm gonna be the one to rip into the defense a little bit. Um, no star defense in my head means um there's no one good enough to stand out. Uh and they're kind of scrambling. They're filling a lot of people into a lot of positions because there's no one solidly enough to hold one of them down or most of them down. Sure, Mozzie Smith is going to be really good. Um, you know, you've got some strong, uh, a couple strong corners. Uh, Mike Moore should be fine. But you look at the linebacker position, you've got Junior Colson as the only one you're maybe sure of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Barrett a little. Um, weak holes everywhere. It looks like there's going to be a true freshman in Mason Graham starting on the D-line. Don't really care how good he is. If you have a true freshman starting, it's a bad sign. Um Ayabi Ainoma, uh, Ayabi Ainoma got to the team less than two weeks ago, and uh, he's going to start. Um, another bad sign. Um, I don't think they're going to be terrible by any means, but I just don't see any really way that they're going to be uh, keeping pace uh, and not losing ground based on last year's defense to what they're going to be this year. Also a new coordinator. Uh, no, no telling how he's going to be. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. A lot of question marks surrounding, surrounding the team, as they usually are with most teams at, at this point uh, to, to start the year. Will the will the offense be so good that the defense can lack? Will, is the no-star defense going to crush any Michigan hopes? We'll see. Um, before we kind of look ahead to the schedule, get your predictions, any any sort of X factor that, that you guys uh, are identifying right now? Whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, a scheme, a moment, anything. I'm going to say, yeah, I was, I was originally going to say player, but I actually like the idea of a game being an X factor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this will be a good preview for our schedule breakdown, but week five at Iowa, that's going to define what kind of season uh, this team is going to have. That should be that should be a big one. If the uh, if the TV channels know what they're doing, I'd assume that's a night game uh, in Iowa. I mean, we'll see, but uh, should be should be a quite the quite the quite the matchup there. I'll I'll jump in with an X factor. I think my X factor is is there a position group on defense that is just an abject weakness? Um, in twenty twenty, it was the secondary. They would just get torched every time. It destroyed the defense. Uh, in 2019, it was the defensive tackles. They would just get gassed up the middle. It was the death knell of the defense. So is there a unit? Is it the linebackers? Is it the safeties? Is there a position group that is just such a weakness that the rest of the defense can't overcome it? That would really set them back. I got an X factor as well. Um in the same vein um, as Jared's expector with the position group, um, I would go defensive because I think the offense has a pretty has a relatively high floor for success. Um, but I think what they can do on the edges is going to dictate so much of how successful they can be. Because um, I mean, you saw last year with Hutchinson on Ojabo. Players like that, obviously you're not going to replace them, but those are those are mistake erasers. Like those guys, 
cover um, blown coverages because they're going to get to the quarterback fast enough. If people like uh, Chris Jenkins or Ioma um, can like step up and at least fill in somewhat, uh, I think the defense will also have a, a fairly high floor of success. Nick, how about you? Yeah, um, I think my X factor is a bit of a cop-out probably, but uh, I think it's Jim. I think it's Jim Harbaugh here. Uh, he's the one deciding, like, sure, it's collaborative uh, with the offensive corner. He's the one deciding, though, mm-hmm. who, what quarterback's starting. He's the one that really determines the scheme, the, the game plan, everything. And I think a lot of decisions he makes are going to greatly have ripple effects through the rest of the season. Um, uh, mainly the quarterbacks, but uh, many others. And then just to give one small other one, if we're talking uh, as a player, I'm going to say Mason Graham because maybe maybe that he's just a really good freshman. And if he is and he's really filling that hole on the D-line, um, I would think a lot more positively about it. Um, but if it's just the best they got, then I don't really I – get, I get a lot more worried uh, about the whole core on defense. Definitely. Um, should be fun. Uh, yeah, Jim, Jim Harbaugh has some big decisions to make. I'll quickly, I know we're running a little low on time. I'll quickly throw in an X factor in kind of the same vein as Josh's. I'm going to go up a few weeks. We talked about a lot earlier. I do think the Hawaii game um, under the lights, that's when the whole decision, it's going to all come to a head at that point. Um, you know, we could, we'll see. I think that'll be a big one. Um, also, the Rainbow Warriors, I mean, they're Warriors. Don't ex- I? I personally do not expect them to come in and uh and be the pot of. I, I think they're gonna look for a pot of gold in Ann Arbor. I think it's gonna be a good game. Okay, <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm gonna just put that out there. Now I'm kind of looking ahead. Uh, schedule time. Um, obviously we don't need to break down every game, but do we see any trap games? I randomly, <laughs> I randomly uh just declared Hawaii a trap game. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Any trap games on the schedule or um any any uh. Um, any any notes that you guys want to want to share about uh, about what we what we got going here for for the Michigan football team coming up? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. Well, sorry, Josh. Um, Go ahead. Th- yeah. um, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, um, my my answer for trap game um is actually a non-answer. I don't really think there is a trap game on the schedule. <laughs> I think looking at the schedule. I like how you phrased that, Spencer. That's very dramatic and cool. I'll just say. Outside of Ohio State, Michigan is going to be favored in every single game this season that they play. Probably by at least three points. I mean, like, I can't imagine them to be dogs on the road at Iowa. Um, so they're going to be expected to win every game this season, except for the game at Ohio State. And realistically, I think they probably will. Um, so I don't really think there's a trap game. Um, yeah, here's something that has occurred to me uh, over the last few days is that I think um, I think a lot of people, they look at the Penn State at home and Michigan State at home and people are brushing those over a little bit, I think, because um, they're home games and because of 
how Michigan season ended compared to how, uh, you know, Penn State and Michigan State ended. But both of those games last year were incredibly close, like coin flip games. I think Penn State was by three. That was the Eric Hall touchdown. Michigan State, obviously a lot of twists and turns in that game. Like, even though they're back at home, those are not, like, cakewalk wins by any means. And I think, like, as much as, you know, people want to push the, like, 11 11 and 0 going into Ohio State or like Iowa's really Iowa on the road is really only a tough game like I think those two games are going to be a lot harder than people might be uh considering Spencer disagrees I think I can't tell at least he thinks it's not Vegas... about the betting though <laughs> definitely Jared how, how about you what do you what do you see when you look at the schedule well, the obvious answer here for a trap game is uh, pride of New Jersey. <laughs> Greg Ciano has the boys ready. Um, going into hostile territory, November slate, weather's cold, Ohio State looms in a few weeks. I would say that's the biggest trap game. But I, I there's not really a trap game just because – I don't know if you can consider Iowa a trap game. I mean, a lot of people will say home versus Maryland. I feel like Maryland does the same thing every year. Um, so maybe like home versus Penn State is probably the best bet because Penn State is not ranked to start the year. They have traditionally been good. Um, so I would say Rutgers or perhaps a little more seriously home versus Penn State. Mm-hmm. No, Rutgers... Uh... That's that was a very scary little like, I mean I don't even want to go to New Jersey in the winter now. You just made it sound like hell. <laughs> Nick, how about you? Uh, apologies for the viewers at home that you can't see Spencer Rains. You just put on <laughs> god awful sunglasses. <laughs> if you hear people laughing, uh, I I guess I gotta go with at indiana then assuming they come off a win at iowa and they're looking at penn state the week after Mm -hmm. going into bloomington that's two weeks on the road indiana's not necessarily bad uh could be a trap game in the sense of do i think michigan's going to drop it no but do i think that you know maybe it's a scare a little closer than a lot of people would like to see yeah i could see that happening all right, everyone's wearing sunglasses now. Mine are like, we got the we got the buffs on on the podcast here. You know, I mentioned Hawaii earlier. Also, I know so, uh, Josh they mentioned in the chat. Nebraska, hundred percent. I mean, Nebraska's within a touchdown in every game they'll ever play ever, yep. which means they will eventually be... win a game by like a couple points. It could be Michigan. I mean, it's that, that's be a one score game for sure. For that's sure, it was it last year for Michigan and Nebraska. Certainly can. Spencer, um, this is this is uh, okay. Uh, all right, <laughs> all right, Paul. Can you please end the podcast? Yeah, let's end the podcast. Um, it was great having you guys. We'll do one line to end it. Everyone, just give me your your final record prediction, and we'll re- we'll revisit next time we talk. Uh, fire ball. away, Josh. You you go ahead. Eleven and one and a Rose Bowl. Eleven one Rose Bowl, Nick. Ten and two in a Rose Bowl, Jared. Uh, six and six in a pinch right <laughs> now, 10 and two in rows. All right. All right. And Spencer, how about you? Giving the Michigan fans what they want. 13 and 0 in a national title. 
Okay, we will we will talk. I cannot wait to get you guys my back brother, on the pod. That is fifteen and zero. That is not even the <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Record. Well, my real my real prediction is eleven and two, including a loss in the road for the USC. Okay, I'm and also I'm also gonna go eleven and two, um, Rose Bowl. We're gonna I'm gonna have the receipts next time we're on the pod. We're gonna revisit this um you know next time we get you on, hopefully in person. We'll see you guys soon, uh, and have have a great night. That'll do it for this week's episode of Highway to Hail. Thanks to the Football Beat for joining me, and an additional thanks to Jimmy Malone for editing this podcast. As always, to read all of our content as the season progresses, head to our website at michigandaily.com backslash sports. Until next time, see ya.